just go around a bit further so you can look down that way. Okay. And then turn. Oh, yep. There it is up there. So just, just enter here very slowly. This is Think Digital Futures. My name is Shane Anderson and right now I'm on my way to Red Rocks, a lookout point and trig station in Camberwara National Park about two hours south of Sydney. With me is John Sinclair. Could you describe to me the view? It's beautiful. Um, it's Below us is the village of Kangaroo Valley, surrounded on all sides by a steep sandstone escarpment. It's an incredible view on a warm and windy winter's day. And it's because of this view that we're here. Red Rocks is one of 12 vantage points surrounding Kangaroo Valley that John is hoping to build a Wi-Fi tower on. This tower will be no more than a post sticking roughly a foot out of the ground, but it will provide low-latency broadband wireless to the handful of little cottages scattered in the rolling green valley below. It's part of a project John calls the Kangaroo Valley Broadband Network, which, with his 12 years of experience as Kangaroo Valley's local IT guy, John's hoping will do something successive governments have been struggling to do for years. Bring reliable internet to rural Australia. But can communities take matters into their own hands? That's all coming up on the show. you'd like to give yourself a bit of an introduction. So my name's Alison Baker, myself and my partner. Alison Baker's story is typical of many of the roughly 900 people who call Kangaroo Valley their permanent home. Alison fell in love with the place when she first visited in 1991. She's been living here ever since, having raised her kids who have now gone off to live closer to the city. She also has a couple of self-contained cottages she rents out as holiday accommodation. Possibly early on, we were one of the half dozen properties offering accommodation. Now we're one of maybe a hundred, who knows. Alison even describes Kangaroo Valley the way most people here do. Beautiful, if not a little dry. At the moment it's dry, but it's still heaven, really. (laughs) When I leave here, I sometimes wonder why I'm leaving, even if it's just to go to the city for this and that. And also, like many residents here, Alison is continually frustrated by slow internet speeds and patchy connectivity. This is not just about slow streaming or some drama. It will be, I cannot communicate with my guest. On weekends, when the valley is flooded with day-trippers from nearby cities, the situation is even worse. The mobile phone towers get overloaded, and the already sparse mobile reception struggles. Everyone has the weekend off. Yeah, so you just don't use the internet on the weekends? Just don't use the internet on the weekends. It is an issue. You know, I want to be progressive. I want to continually offer what's appropriate to my guests, whether it's a cup of tea or it's Wi-Fi. Do guests ever rock up and ask where the Wi-Fi is? It might be the first question often, particularly with overseas guests. Do you worry that you're losing business? Yes, simple as that. 
internet connectivity is a familiar story in regional areas across Australia. The NBN, or National Broadband Network, was supposed to fix this. And at its inception in 2006 by the Labor Party in the lead-up to Kevin Rudd's election, it might have actually done the trick. For starters, its aim was to hook every house up using a fibre connection. Fibre is very well established and there are very few technical issues with fibre. This is Robin Braun from the University of Technology, Sydney. He says most of the failures of the NBN come from successive governments cutting corners. The original NBN was designed for what we called fibre to the premises. So we had fibre right into the home. But fibre to the premises is not quite what we've ended up with, right? Exactly. When the change of government came and the uh, coalition came back into power, they'd been bashing the internet, as we all know. And the way that they were able to, if you like, justify what they were going to do was to give us this so-called cheaper option, which was fibre to the node, which meant that it still had fibre, but fibre went to the top of the street. And then the connectivity from the top of the street into each home was still going to be the copper that had been used previously for telephone networks. So is this where we start to hear people saying that they've had the NBN connected, but it's just as slow as it was before? Is that because it's still that copper cable? Yes. So the other part of the problem is the way that it's been structured. Many of the so-called network service providers providing us with NBN services have not been purchasing sufficient bandwidth from the NBN. This problem of service providers not buying enough bandwidth was what people like John Sinclair were stuck with when the NBN came to Kangaroo Valley. When we got the NBN, I signed up to a 50 megabit plan and I got 19 megabits. Why? Why were you so poorly served by the NBN? I couldn't find that out, but I contacted my upstream provider. We did a lot of tests and they escalated it to the NBN and they said, no, there's nothing wrong, and that's the way it was left. Now, this problem isn't the NBN cutting corners. This is another issue altogether. It's the ISPs, the companies you buy your internet through, not buying enough bandwidth from the NBN. And to make matters worse, there's little regulation that prevents ISPs from doing this. The government takes an honesty approach to the NBN, relying largely on ISPs to self-regulate and hoping customers will vote with their feet if an ISP is unsatisfactory. A recent report by the ACCC found that broadband speeds from the top four ISPs in Australia, IINet, Optus, Telstra and TPG, were actually all right, delivering around 80 to 90% of the speeds they promised. But it's not clear where in Australia these speeds were being delivered, and it's certainly not the case in Kangaroo Valley. In fact, John says many residents aren't serviced by the one NBN tower, and instead of connecting by fibre, they rely on satellites, which are slower and even more expensive. As the only IT guy in Kangaroo Valley, John was not only hearing the brunt of these complaints, he was also selling internet that he knew wasn't delivering on its promises. And this is where the Kangaroo Valley Broadband Network comes in. So what is the Kangaroo Valley Broadband Network? It's a fast, low-latency wireless broadband network serving the residents of Kangaroo Valley. John wants to build a relay station on the mountain between the coastal town of Nowra and Kangaroo Valley. 
The plan is for the antennas to point towards all corners of the valley. And at these corners will be Wi-Fi towers like the one proposed for the Red Rocks lookout. These will be perched just below the cliff line. Then on each subscriber's house, John will install another antenna and run a cable between that and the router. Okay, so what, what are these fibre connections? It's just a fibre, a glass fibre leased from a, an, another telco that goes to the core internet in Sydney. Do you think this is a practical plan? Yes, it is a practical plan. This is Robin again from UTS. Essentially what it's going to do is use Wi-Fi technology over long-distance links. Wi-Fi is what's known as a Layer 2 network, which means that it's one layer up from the physical layer, so it's, it uses wireless technology to carry the signals, and then it uses so-called 802.11 protocols to actually transport the data from one place to another. Yes, it's, it's a very feasible method of doing it. Does it have precedent? Uh, yes, so many years ago, um, CSIRO were attempting to use it as a means of extending the then internet locations to rural areas or even to blank spots within cities. So it's certainly a, a, a viable method of uh, providing internet access. It doesn't sound overly complex for them to set up. So why hasn't it been done by the NBN already? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's not difficult, it's not complicated technology. It's because of the fact that Wi-Fi has become so well known and so well understood that we've figured out ways to use it. But it's a good question to ask the internet service providers, why aren't they doing this themselves? So could other rural communities follow Kangaroo Valley's example, providing for what the MBN and ISPs are failing to do? And should they even have to? That's up next on Think Digital Futures. People are taking matters into their own hands because our government's just not doing it, not helping us. They're just It's just a political football, so to speak. Welcome back to Think Digital Futures. According to the NBN, the rollout of the nation's broadband network is nearly finished in rural areas. To be specific, 99.92% of homes in the country are now able to access the NBN. The network says this is a move that will shrink the digital divide. So why doesn't it feel this way for people in the country? Yeah, no worries. Well, my name's Aaron. I'm from um, northern Tasmania, a nice nice little spot where it's usually always sunny and less raining. Where they put the towers, they put them in the wrong locations, so you cannot actually receive a signal from it because it's either over the hill or in the wrong area or certain sectors of the tower are pointing straight into a mountain, which is useless. It, 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 it seems that some areas it was just deemed too hard. Hi, my name's Tim Stockman. I'm from Burra in South Australia. How does it feel for Burra to be deemed too hard by the government? Oh, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, it's not just our area. Huge swaths of rural South Australia have just been dumped onto satellite options. It's, it's very limiting. Um, everyone's getting pushed to the cloud. People can't get enough data. 
farms not being able to really embrace any of the new technology. So far this episode, we've met John Sinclair, the local IT business owner who wants to set Kangaroo Valley up with their own Wi-Fi network. But Kangaroo Valley isn't the only community struggling to get connected. And like John, Tim and Aaron have also set up their own Wi-Fi networks. For Tim, he was running an IT business in Burra in South Australia when he got connected to the NBN Satellite Service, or SkyMuster. He realised pretty quickly that his own business could chew through the entire region's data allocation in about three days. So he decided to see whether or not he could hook up his network to a more reliable fibre closer to town. Then I started thinking about my friends and neighbours and it was like, well, they're all going to be in the same boat. Can I do something and help them as well? Tim says the rest is history. What started off as a plan to build half a dozen towers to cover a bit of an area, we're now up to 14 or 15 towers with probably another six or eight in in planning, various stages of planning at, at the moment. For Aaron in northern Tassie, he was also left with SkyMuster, so he rented his own space on a tower on a private property nearby. It's about, well, knowing the right people and where to buy wholesale data from and then using off-the-shelf componentry, lease space off another tower, and then now I own that tower, yeah, now providing internet to my area. What Aaron is running is just a local service for a couple of neighbours, but now he owns the tower, and his internet service even has a nickname. You're going to laugh. It's named after my horse, Taylor, so it's actually Taylor Global Wireless. I'm an avid country music fan, so I like Taylor Swift, so you can sort of piece it all together there. (laughs) Did you name the horse after Taylor Swift? Yes, the horse is named after Taylor Swift, and then then my internet company is named after my horse, so we provide Swift internet services. (laughs) (laughs) These stories are becoming more and more common. I've been hearing from people in literally every state and territory in the country, from Gundawindi in South Queensland and Northwest Queensland, from the Wheatbelt region of WA, from areas south of Darwin in the NT, from Gundagai, Tumut and Yasshires in New South Wales. So many people are going it alone, and not just providing a service for their community, but actually making a profit from providing reliable internet. While everyone I spoke to was happy that they were able to do this, nobody was sure if it was ultimately a good thing. Here's Tim again. The issue with the NBN is there shouldn't be a business, there shouldn't be an opportunity for someone like myself to have a business model. To me, I'm thinking about infrastructure and I'm thinking about the role of publicly funded infrastructure versus privately funded infrastructure. This is Nicole Sutton, an accounting lecturer at the University of Technology, Sydney, and also host of the fellow think show Think Business Futures. Nicole, like many, thinks that the failures of the NBN aren't down to the technology itself. If it was, it would have been much harder for people to set up their own networks. The problem lies in the tricky relationship between public and private infrastructure. And we can start to understand how the NBN became a political football when we take a closer look at this tension. Typically, we think of infrastructures funded publicly, and there's 
good reason for that because a lot of the things that we rely upon, such as hospitals or roads, water supply, sewage, electricity, all of these things, if they weren't provided by the government, what would happen is you experience something called market failure. Market failure happens when a thriving marketplace can't profit of the solution it's supposed to be providing. Meaning, at the end of the day, it's just not a profitable business if your aim is to provide everyone in Australia with equitable internet access. And that's and that would be particularly the case in you know regional and rural areas where perhaps it's not so cost effective to be providing communication infrastructure to those areas. Basically, when it comes to rural and regional Australia, you end up making more effort for less people. This is especially the case for the ISPs, you know, the ones actually providing the internet service. They're run privately and they're self-regulating. This business model just doesn't cut it in the country. Sure, self-regulation might work in a highly competitive marketplace like Sydney. You know, when you have lots of different internet service providers, you've got lots of different consumers, they're competing against each other, trying to get the different customers Then if we start getting out of the cities and perhaps the business case for the internet service providers isn't there, there isn't that competition there, then we can't rely on an efficient market just to get people to self-regulate. Without regulation, you end up with the situation regional Australia is currently in, where it's both not cost-effective to provide more infrastructure or deliver faster internet. And no government body is twisting anyone's arm to provide either. So, in response, local businesses are the ones who are filling this gap. This isn't a solution for everyone. While it costs a lot less to set up your own Wi-Fi network than an NBN, it's still not cheap. For John in Kangaroo Valley, his startup costs are 120 grand. And he's trying to raise this money through crowdfunding. He's asking 120 locals to give $1,000 each to his campaign. The money that comes from the crowdfunding goes to buy equipment um, and to pay um, an electrician for a bit of work. So how do you make a living then? Um, Well, the network will be built. The crowdfunding includes three months of internet access. After that three months, then I start charging. Those charges will sit at around $95 a month for unlimited data, putting it a little bit more expensive than current NBN options but at the same time promising faster speeds. Now, this might be doable in a place like Kangaroo Valley. It is a fairly well-off community with a thriving local tourism economy. Residents here are on average pretty highly educated and they're not too far away from the nearest town. But at the end of the day, not everyone has these kinds of resources or this expertise. This is why Nicole thinks it's dangerous to say that these local networks can be a nationwide solution. What do communities do who don't have 120 grand and who don't have a fully qualified and experienced telecommunications engineer already in the area willing to invest time and labour into that infrastructure? A hardcore economist might say, if there is money to be made there, then someone will step in. Again, the question is, though, but... What if there isn't or what if there isn't a lot of money to be made? Does that mean that those people don't get internet or high quality communication? Uh, and that would be an example of market failure. And, th- and again, we're back to the rationale of why we would need publicly funded infrastructure. 
but for rural and regional Australians, it might already be too late. Assuming you have a direct line to the MBN, to all the ISPs, what's your message for them? I don't have a message. It's none of their business. Um, I'm not interested. They've done a lousy job, NBN. The telcos have, have done a terrible job. I'm not interested. It's not about them. It's not nothing to do with them. It's about Kangaroo Valley. And that's all for Think Digital Futures this week. Thank you to John, Alison, Tim and Aaron for taking the time out to chat. Thanks also to Rob Braun and Nicole Sutton from UTS. Special thanks also to Christy from Better Internet for Rural, Regional and Remote Australia for your help with this episode. This show is supported by the University of Technology Sydney and broadcast right across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We record this show at 2SER in Sydney, which sits on what always was and always will be Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. If you're after more information about this episode, just head to our website, that is 2SER.com slash thinkdigitalfutures. Most importantly, we are a podcast, so if you haven't already, hit subscribe, leave a review and share us with your friends. Show us some love so we can keep making independent radio. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, I'm Shane Anderson. Thank you for listening.